Listen with Carrie and Mohan brought to you by the Oracle Applications and Technology Users Group, OATUG, and the Oracle HCM Users Group, OHUG, to talk about all things related to the Ascend Oracle Users Conference, which is held annually in the United States. Coming up, our next conference, Ascend 2024, will be held June 17th to 20th, 2024, at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. In this podcast series, Mohan Dutt representing OATUG. Hi, Mohan. Hi. And Carrie Hollick representing OHUG. How are you Hi. today? Doing great. Great. We'll be talking about everything you'll want to know about Ascend, from how to apply to become a speaker, to education tracks, presentation program highlights, conversations on the art of and benefits of networking, key tips for exhibitors, and getting excited all about meeting the Oracle representatives who attend, which is such a big honor every year, and so much more. So we hope you'll subscribe to Ascend with Carrie and Mohan wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes coming to you each month as we lead up to Ascend 2024. So welcome today. Good to see you, Mohan. Good to see you, Carrie, as always. Glad to How be are, here. How's it going? Welcome, everyone. Today, we want to talk about something that is on everyone's mind lately, but it's chat GPT, AI in general, whatever your favorite AI platform is at the moment. So Mohan, start. we were talking a little bit about how you know lately you see how it's used well and how it's not used very well. Tell us more about that and how you think that it could be used to help people get ready to apply as a speaker or to present at Ascend. Yes, the most exciting thing uh, which happened since we last spoke was our call for presentations is now open. So you can visit the Send website and go to the page to submit your presentation proposal. So I encourage you to click on the link provided on this podcast and shared on this podcast too. Uh, go to our uh, page, which talks about what you need to do to submit a proposal. And as we had discussed in previous episodes, you don't have to have your entire presentation ready. Uh, three simple things you will need to get in for your proposal, the title, the abstract, and at least three presentation objectives. Now, we all have writer's block, right? So we think, you know, what's a good title? Or what do we put in an abstract? What do we put in present presentation objectives? Now, a good uh, way of looking at it is look at uh, previous year's presentations. You will see that how the titles of selected proposal presentations were there, how the abstract were written, how the objectives are written. But that's just a starting point. Now, thanks to these new AI platforms now, whether it's uh, BARD, whether it's um, ChatGPT, uh, we have these new tools uh, which will help us to overcome the so-called writer's block and what I recommend is 
you start with a title, start with your abstract, start with presentation objectives, and don't worry whether that objective or the title is world-class or not. So just write the content and then take the help of our AI tools to see what this suggests for improvement. Um, a recent example I came across, like I was uh, making a, a, a post on LinkedIn and I typed in a LinkedIn post and there was a prompt saying, do you want LinkedIn to help you rewrite your post? And um, actually LinkedIn took a few seconds to rewrite my post and what came out was more exciting than what I had initially thought about. And I posted it and it looked great and got a few likes. So it's a similar thing. Um, use these platforms, I would say, as your friend, as your help, but uh, Still, I would say work on your initial thought, because if you want Chat GPT or any of this AI platform to create a title or the entire abstract on its own, sooner or later, people will find out and the evaluation team will find out that this is entirely created by any of the AI platforms and not done by a person. So the likelihood of selection will be much less. Carrie, yeah, how I, about you? What's your experience so far with AI? Interested to hear what your take is on it. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with Mohan. You've got to have some some good content and some good guts first. All right. You gotta you gotta bring the ideas. It's not gonna generate everything for you, but it's a great tool. I I, I liken it to um you know, years ago when you started using search engines and things like that, and then you started using more advanced tools, the same type of thing. In some ways, you could use it as an editor. You could use it to change tone. You know, I've used it a lot for tone and emails and for brevity and things like that. You know, if I have something that I want to get across, and for me, I know I tend to sometimes be verbose when I write. I use a lot of words to get a single thing across. And so I'll throw that into chat GPT or similar tool and say, hey, take this and make it shorter. You can give guidance about how short, you can give guidance around tone. I've taken things and said, make it funnier, make it uh, make it longer, if, uh, you know, whatever it is for you that you need to have is more of a balance. And then it'll, it'll give me something back and I'm never taking what it gives back, right? I'm kind of looking at it and saying, oh, great. You know, I got 10 ideas out of this and I love four of them. I'm going to do that. And you can continue to go through the, the AI tool if you would like to help refine it and, and work through it. Or you can just take it and then go off on your own. Even titles, like Moen said, it's not going to generate it for you. Well, I mean, it could, but you probably want to start with your own. And then you could say, hey, uh, chat GPT or whatever, give it a prompt that says, I want this title to be shorter. I want it to include Vegas, right? You know, something that references uh, Las Vegas, the city that the conference is in, you know, something like that. I found it super helpful. Alliteration, you know, different tools, rhyming, whatever it is that you want your title to do. It's going to give you a lot of choices. A lot of them are going to be potentially ridiculous that you'll reject, <laughs> but, you know, it'll give you some some starting points and you might just walk away with a, a little bit of gold. The, the one thing that that I like to do with it, too, that I was thinking of when, when Mohan was talking, 
for me with, with like a high level abstract, often I want to break it down, you know, kind of explain it like I'm five or as I'll say sometimes, you know, my mom should be able to understand this and she's not, you know, an Oracle person or a tech professional or anything like that, but I should be able to get a point across in a way that she can understand it. That just means I'm delivering context and, and things like that. And I do find that these AI tools can be super, super helpful for that because they can take a concept that you're maybe explaining with, with an inherent assumption you don't even realize that you're, you're thinking people know this. Well, it can take it and kind of add some of those building blocks that, that really help tell the story in a different way and help reach your audience a little bit differently. So super exciting stuff. I, I agree that it's a great thing for, for people to leverage where it makes sense for you. Yeah, one thing I've learned too is that I, I all of those ideas that both of you just gave were right on as far as what my experience has been and how as an editor of a magazine, so I'm always looking for ways to use words and you change it up a little bit. Titles, great help with titles. It'll spit out 15 titles in 10 seconds. I mean, awesome, right? But what I find is I have to kind of pull myself back a little bit because I don't want to be influenced by AI and how I write. Where's my voice in it? Where's the authentic self in it, right? It's something unique because it can suddenly start to get boring. What I've noticed is, is that in if, if you ask it to do a page or two on some topic, it can, it can do that in 20 seconds or less. And and it will make sense and it will be pretty much near perfect in terms of the language and the grammar, but it will be so boring. <laughs> you know, you'll look at even, even if I say, please include some examples and, you know, stories or anecdotes, it'll sound really uh, sort of like the most boring friend. You know, you kind of love them, but you would have to sit through uh, this really boring story. It almost takes on that tone. So that's where you, begin to see that we can't rely on it too heavily, right? Yeah, and just to add on that, um, many of these tools like ChatGPT is based on these large language models where the engine is actually trained on those. And for example, like a few months ago, like the ChatGPT was trained on data, which was valid till 2021, which means mm -hmm. ChatGPT doesn't know what has happened in the world the last three years, you know, a lot yeah. has changed. And especially in our, you know, domain where we are talking about Ascend, right? The latest and greatest in Oracle applications and tech area, right? Three years is a long, long time. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have the latest information and you are creating an abstract based on three years old information that is absolutely outdated. So any of this platform, you really don't know how these language models have been trained on. So they may not have first updated information. And another thing it found out was sometimes this information is not correct because once they had created the initial data to train it, Maybe there was some information that they got was incorrect. So that whole engine is now built on incorrect information. And if you ask them to write something, they think that incorrect information is the correct information. And then they will create excellent grammatically correct 
paragraphs, but it will actually be stating uh, things which are not facts. So that's where I would still say, look at, you know, are, are you creating an abstract on something recent? Because one of the things that we say is the conference people, it's an educational conference where people um, go to learn something new. Now, if you are presenting something which is, you know, released five years ago, it's unlikely that, you know, you're presenting something new or you're presentation abstract is on some new features, right? So that's where a focus on your content and no one can replace that core. That core comes from, from you. That latest information and the fast comes from you. What any of these AI platforms can do is to, you know, enhance it, makes it, you know, a, a great read, Yes, a title may be so fascinating. It's a traffic stopper, which you never thought about. But yes, you get a great title and, you know, people, the reviewers stop to read it and get more interested to read your abstract. So use it for that, but don't use it for writing your entire proposal, you know, from ground up. Exactly. Yep, definitely. Carrie, so what, how else have you been using it in your in your work? Do you use it with Oracle ever? Or is it say, more probably, for your I probably use it outside of work more often than work, but I've I've tried it with different things. I've you know, I've put code into it and and looked for different approaches there. Uh it's definitely, you know, it's not going to write the code for you or anything like that, but I I've used it for sometimes for ideas for different test cases and things like that, and I found it to be a super helpful tool. Nothing that you can walk away with and cut and paste necessarily, but it, it, you know, it may help you think about something a little bit differently. And so I've used it for that, which is pretty technical. Um, I, I definitely like it for content. I mentioned emails and things like that. You know, I think it's super helpful for, for emails. I think it's helpful for when you're writing like procedures and things like that, documentation. I think that can be a very useful tool, super handy. I've used it for random things like challenges that I even had like around the house where I was thinking of uh, not a remodel, but changing the way something looked and ask it for some examples and came across some of the limitations that Mohan had mentioned, you know, out of date links and things like that, because of course it was built on, on something that was a couple of years old and the world changes and the internet changes and things like that. But nonetheless, I wasn't looking for it to do everything. I just wanted some ideas. And so, you know, I, I find it most helpful. It's almost like you can view it as like bouncing ideas off of someone who's really smart and knows a lot of things and can come back and, and give you all these great ideas, some of which you're going to use and some of which you won't, but but they've got it and can look at it. And it's kind of like talking to a whole group. You've got all of those different people's ideas because it has all of this information. Yeah, it, our company, uh, the company which I work for, Equinix, uh, actually provides the digital infrastructure for AI. Um, so, um, Many of our customer is using that infrastructure to you know build AI and within our company we are using AI in various shapes and form. Um, the one which we talk about like Chat GPT is more popularly known as generative AI. So we are uh, working on several use cases on generative AI. For our technical team, we are using the 
AI Copilot for GitHub, where you actually can use this generative AI to generate code and you know deploy the code much faster or do a code review much faster. So uh, we are using that. Uh, but one of the aspects which we are very careful about and we are not looking at using the public domain uh, for this AI is because if you put all this information like your company proprietary information and use that, it, it becomes part of the public knowledge. So mm -hmm. say you use your customer data or your sales data, it gets exposed and everyone will get to see it. So what we are using in our company is we are very clear about that we use this in a private space, which is not exposed to the external world so that this information, which is now like our company specific information stays within our company. And we use the same um, generative AI tools, whether it's ChatGPT or, or BARD or any of these tools which we are using, um, but we don't expose it to the outside world. So it's something similar, like if you are using this AI platform and using some personal information, be very careful about that because that information is um, kind of shareable or accessible in some shape or form um, to people whom you don't know. So, so um, you will, um, read a lot about like ethical use of AI, security of AI, security of data, how you are using it. So all these new questions are now coming in. Um, like for example, if you do a Google search, uh, it actually adds to the repository of Google searches. <laughs> but the searches you are searching like a question, you're not like putting your own information, right? So from that aspect, you are more secure because you are just searching for, maybe I want to buy a car. So Google or the search engine will know perhaps you are planning to buy a car. So, so that's what the information that they have. But with this uh, chat GPT, like AI tool, generative AI, you are actually providing even more data saying like, this is my budget, you know, this is how much I earn, this is uh, what, you know, how many, how much, you know, outstanding loans I have, and all this personal information, and then telling Chat GPT or any of these tools, like, what's the best car I can buy? Yes, it will come up with the recommendation, which is much more powerful than a search engine, but then you have shared all this information. Now, yeah, I guess whether it's personal or company information, to what extent you want to share or you need to share. It is seductive almost in that sense, isn't it? Yes. I've, I've had those thoughts as I was asking questions or really in a conversation, basically, with chat GPT to see uh, what did it think about this question or that question. And I was actually feeding it ideas 
I was feeding it a way of thinking in a way, right? And I was going, wait a minute, that's my idea. <laughs> I'm giving it to all of the public domain. So so it is something that kind of sneaks up on you, though, I realized, uh, the more you work with it. Yeah, right? and, and few, few years ago, I believe there was uh, on, on the Facebook meta platform, like um, there was, uh, you know, questions from a third party and they were gathering this information in form of a survey or something like that, but they were, you know, actually capturing personal information of uh, likes, dislikes, and other attributes of, of millions of users, and um, which is like, wasn't ethical and the, what was later found out uh, through the legal system, but then everyone willingly shared that information. Which is their excuse to say, it's not our fault, right? So we were still working yeah. out a lot of these regulations. Yeah. So and I, I am not saying like for your presentation proposal, you're putting in some information which are private and you don't want to share, but you know, be careful of what you are sharing because uh, that comes in the public domain. Um, like unless you have, got a subscription to these services and got a actually a private space, um, all your information is public. So yeah. if we were even to- if you have a, Even if you have a, a premium and a private space, we all know that goes as far as it goes. So you yes. know, if you're not still hosting and generating it yourself, I mean, so, someone does have it. So there's always a risk associated with that. Yes. I certainly, I agree to use caution with, with anything like that, anything that's out there. And, you know, in the, in the same vein of uh, like making your own personal information available and then tying that back to, you know, never saying, hey, these are my ideas, right? You know, there's whole industries that have sprung up around just that thing of like selling prompts and things like that, you know, especially very niche areas like images are such a big deal where, you know, generating those AI images is just a, a work in progress. If you go in and do it, you're going to have a couple little bugs, you might call them, you know, things that pop up, little Easter eggs, but also different ways to to kind of influence it. And so that's a whole industry where you can buy someone's help who has already kind of figured out the magic there and leverage what they're doing. So I guess what that means then is if you're submitting an abstract for a send, and if you hit the secret sauce on the prompts to use to get a really good title and a really good abstract based off of your original idea, maybe there could be a market for selling the prompts you use to someone else that has a very different idea to generate Absolutely. the title. Uh, the, the people who put in the prompt are now being paid astronomical uh, you know, paychecks because uh, now this putting in the prompt is becoming a specialized uh, occupation. You know, wow. the, the best prompt you can provide to generate uh, the right information I, I i'm i'm available i would have so much fun with that <laughs> in fact i think that's really a lot of what i've been doing is just i got into some deep philosophical conversations with ai it was pretty interesting yeah but I, but, but still it is useful right i mean we're 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 going way out there and looking at all it's such a it's so vast it's affected us so yeah. deeply but back to the and we're not going to give it up i don't think let me just ask for a poll right now on that. Do you think we're going to ever go back and not use it? No way. Probably not, right? So 
you know, the use of it, like these little practical things we talked about to summarize, we talked about a great title. I think that's a no brainer. You can give it a, some keywords and it will come up with 10 or 15 or 20 or 40. It's tireless ideas on what you do with those little keywords. And like, like you said, Carrie, it's in a location, throw that in there. Then you've got another little twist on it, uh, a product name, anything you can have, you know, a ask it and come up with one of your favorites, or it might inspire you on something that isn't even in the list that you would never have thought of. Then on the abstract, I found it so great, right? That's the second level where you can take a few paragraphs or, you know, here's the project I'm working on. Uh, how would I summarize that in four lines? Or it's sometimes 150 words, 200 words, little bites. It is a beauty at doing that very quickly and efficiently. How about slides? Have you ever worked with it on creating slide content at all? Yes, um, actually, I took help. Honest confession, uh, last year's um, SN conference, it was right. running a very tight schedule, and you know, I didn't have as much time to uh, spend on formatting the content. Like I had all that information. Uh, from multiple sources, but I didn't have time to really put it together in one slide. So I did take the help of our friends in the AI space, and you know I shared this information, which is which is was public information only, but from different sources. And I said, like, um, I I want to create like a slide with like five bullets on this topic. And um, about 30 seconds later, I had my slide ready. And I reworked on that version and, uh, you know, presented the summary, which would have taken me maybe 30 minutes to, you know, come up with uh, those uh, summary bullet points. <laughs> I great. love it. Why not, right? Why not? And Carrie, how about you? Have you ever tried it for slides or a paper or anything like that? That's a little more, what, uh, related to an actual work product that helps you get to completion faster? Yeah, yeah, kind of similarly to help me with structure. You know, that that's something sometimes where I can just kind of spit the content out and I, I get it all out there, but then I struggle with organizing it. And so specifically structuring and organizing content, I found it to be useful, whether it's a Word doc, whether it's a, you know, something you're writing on Confluence, you know, a wiki, something like that, or if it's in PowerPoint. And then for me, if it's in PowerPoint, then I'm going to hit those little design ideas in PowerPoint too. And it'll help me with the images and colors and all of that. So I'm always looking for those little tools, whether it's, you know, AI helping me with the text and the, the content organization, or whether it's PowerPoint helping me make it look a little better. You know, I'm all about things that can kind of speed it up and help me in areas where maybe I'm not the expert and I don't need to be because there's other areas where I should stay up to date and I should, should stay fresh on it and other things where I can use this helping hand. Well, back to the original or authentic idea that the human brings to a project. Tell me a little bit about your process and deciding what you want to write about or what you want to talk about. Is it something that you see as a challenge, a problem at work? Is it something you felt was really successful that you want to make sure people hear about so they can also use that tick tip? Yeah, so or, far, you know, what, what would yeah, it be? Yeah, that's a great question. And to me, all these years, 
Um, I have seen successful uh, proposals which I submitted, which were accepted, were based on when I presented something on my real life experience. So it's not something abstract. It's not something that I was doing some armchair thinking. It's something I have experienced. It's something my team and I have implemented. Is something which we have encountered and see a challenge that we addressed um, or a successful program which we completed. So it's a case study. So those are the learnings that we are sharing. So um, I would say there are a lot of proposal which comes in, which are uh, like a distilled version of an user guide or in the user manual, like someone just, uh, you know, decided that let me get a few pages from the user manual and put it like an abstract. But that information is already out there. It's not a new information that you're sharing or a new perspective. So the chances of such abstract or presentations, proposal getting selected are very low. The information is good. But that information is already a published information in an user guide, for example. So why would anyone uh, sit to a presentation of an user guide? What about you, Carrie? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It, it, I like it to be something that I've done, that I've had my hands in. It doesn't even need to be done. You know, in some cases, I've submitted an abstract and it's about a, something that I'm working on. And I don't even know if I'll have it complete by the time of the conference. And, and as it happens, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And that's okay because, uh, you know, if it's something in progress, for example, and I don't know, maybe in, in January, if it'll be done by June or, you know, whatever the case is, but then I can share what's happened since then. And honestly, if there's still something I'm working through, I love crowdsourcing help on that. So the conference is such a great way if I'm stuck on something to bring that. So I'm, I'm more than happy to share things that, that have been completed, share what's been good about them, share what's been bad about them, share what I would do differently if I did it again tomorrow, because sometimes I, I, you know, I, I would do it differently if I could go back and things that I'm currently stuck on. So I a hundred percent agree. It's something, you know, that I, I like to have personal experience with and kind of speak to what the value is or, or what the challenge is. And then get people's input and help and and walk away learning as much as I'm teaching someone what I've done. I'm also hearing what someone else might have done and getting ideas for myself, whether I can do them immediately or not. You know, it's always something that, that helps yeah, out. And, and, and Deborah, the golden word that you used is authentic. It's not only your authentic self, it's also the authentic content. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if people can find out, you know, the people who are voting for the proposal can find out, you know, based on the experience, gut feel, whatever you call it, you know, um, they, they figured out that this is an original, this is authentic, and, uh, you know, this has been, you know, generated from somewhere. So however much we sing praise of generative UI, I once again, wants to remind our audience that be authentic, be original. Exactly. Any other final thoughts? We could go on and on with this topic. I have a feeling, for example, I am thinking of what I've been reading about with 
quantum computing lately, which is sort of the top of my head blows off when, when I get around that topic now, you know, that it, it's, it's just such an exciting age to live in, but that in contrast, there's a limit to generative AI, digital computing, right? Yeah, and, and there are also use cases beyond the generative AI part, like um, uh, our company, we are using a lot of what we call predictive AI, mm -hmm. like using the power of AI to forecast something, like forecast sales, forecast you know power consumption, whatever, right? So so um, you can use um, AI in, in various shape and manner and those are some of the interesting topics that we hope uh, we get presentation proposals from how organizations are using AI uh, for their not only daily life, but daily business life. Yeah, there's definitely exciting stuff around that in all kinds of different areas. But yeah, in the HR space, predictive uh, Predictive focus has been a thing for a while with uh, employees in the workforce and kind of seeing who's engaged, who's not, you know, being able to predict who might walk out the door, you know, for example, like who's at, at risk and yeah. and all of that is, is super, super powerful stuff. And, and yeah. I think at this point, you know, you're losing a business advantage if you're not doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, we have similar models where we can predict the churn rate. Like when a customer is, you know, uh, planning to leave or something, or to predict, like who are the uh, star prospects that that we should be, you know, sales team should be working to to reach out. So there are so many um, use cases that organization are using, and we are really looking forward to, um, you know, maybe a track in itself on AI for you know, one of the forthcoming Ascent conferences, hopefully. Great. <laughs> that That is something I look forward to for sure. I'm fascinated by this entire topic. And I think very helpful for a lot of people who need to very simply get over a writer's block, right? So that's been really helpful, I think, for our, our conference goers and our people who wanna get considered as a speaker, very helpful. It's been so much fun, so enlightening, but we're going to wrap up for today and continue on with this and many other exciting new topics. So visit our website at ascendusersconference.com to register for Ascend 2024, June 17th through 20th in Las Vegas, and visit the websites of our hosts, OATUG, OATUG.org, and OHUG at OHUG.org, and get more information on membership because that's something ongoing that we wanna invite you to consider and explore because it's not just about one conference, it's about getting together with really wonderful people like this all year long to have all kinds of fascinating discussions. So stay curious, get inspired, and remember that we're here to help you in your Oracle journey, elevating your Oracle experience. And this podcast is co-produced by OATUG and OHUG. Signing off for now, we look forward to seeing you again soon.